As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, friends, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari, the podcast where I do my best, along with a team of brilliant contributors, to catch you up on the week's events if you have chosen to completely check out of the news cycle, be it um, current affairs or indeed pop culture. Don't worry, I'm going to catch you up. I'm going to get you up to date so that you can engage and be included in any and all conversation you encounter over the weekend or the course of the next week. Um, I hope you're well. Hope you had a good week. It's been a really busy one for me. Um, I've had lots of work on and obviously have been busy getting things sorted for the live show in the project, which is happening this Sunday. Very exciting as part of Dublin Fringe. Um, if you're coming, I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to be really fun. We've got live music from Circa Richardson, who um, I have been just a huge, huge fan of for years now, ever since I heard her song Petrol Station. Um, when I was very first doing music, the new music show on 2FM, which is like... Oh my God. I mean, I think it could be like eight years ago, a long time ago anyway. Um, and everything she's released since then has been absolutely fantastic. Her new album is out. Is it out this week? Next week? It's out around now anyway. It's called Smiling Like an Idiot. I've been listening to it for the last couple of months. Um, I'm very privileged to have gotten early years on it and I love it so much. So she is going to be with us on Sunday playing a few songs. Aoife and I are going to be chatting about Andrew Tate, his rise and his impact, where he came from, why we need to, I suppose pay attention to him um, or certainly his impact and be I think a little bit concerned about it and um, we have got a lovely interview which I will leave as a surprise and then Esther, Jen, Gannon and I are going to be discussing the Kardashians and debating whether or not they are overall a force for good or evil. I mean maybe not evil but you know what I mean. Have they given us more than they've taken? Um, I think it's going to be really, really fun. I am recording it. So all going well, I will be able to um, release it as a bonus episode. Um, 
hopefully um, all the tech will go well. Obviously, it's a first time for me and there's lots of moving parts and things that I didn't think about until like this week. I was like, oh, wait, what are we going to sit on? <laughs> like, What's the stage going to look like? Um, you know, all that kind of stuff that I'm not used to, but hopefully it'll all go well. And if not, sure, it'll be a learning experience. And as I keep saying, um, hopefully we can do lots more of these because I, I'm just really looking forward to having a load of us in the same room. Anyway, that's kind of it. That's been my main focus over the course of the last week. Um, aside from obviously all the fascinating stories we have to discuss, so we might as well just get into them and start with the news. Aoife Moore, political correspondent for the Sunday Times Ireland. Hello, my friend. How good are morning. you? I'm Looking good. resplendent. I know I'm not in my pajamas today, and it's podcast week, live podcast week. Yeah, so exciting. Yeah, we should probably do some work. Yeah, I, I have done work. <laughs> I'll do mine today. I'm feeling a little bit apprehensive. I've been like, there's so many moving parts, like yeah. things like I was just on the phone to my dad about like, I'm going to get a van to collect furniture to have for oh, us to I sit never, on. I like, never yeah, thought of that. There's loads of stuff that I also had not thought about yeah. because I am not a stage performer no. usually. I thought they would have chairs for us at least. No, they do have chairs. But, like, but we want nice chairs. Yeah, okay. exactly. Anyway, moving into my new life as a stage performer, because I hope I get to do this loads of times. <laughs> anyway, if you're coming on Sunday, it's going to be great. We're totally prepared. <laughs> no, it's, I actually think it is going to be great. Um, okay, let's get into the news, though, because there's a lot there. I mean, obviously, the big story that hadn't happened when we spoke last week, yes. but had happened when the podcast yeah. went live, is that the Queen died. It shows you where my priorities are, that as soon as the Queen died, the first thing I thought was Louise's podcast is going to be what it did. I was honestly I was like it's actually probably better because yeah, what would we have too said? much have gone on yeah. yeah I mean what do we say now I would say from the outset Irish Twitter wow truly outdone itself this week well done to Just. everyone with the tweets because it's not necessarily I haven't seen people being disrespectful well I've seen but, a, little, a little well bit. <laughs> not I maybe I have a nicer Twitter timeline new but some of it is so funny so, so funny. funny and I think as well Charles isn't as respected or loved no, I mean, by like no. anyone. Um, I would say by his, even by his own family. And um, <laughs> you see, he's such easy comedy oh, fodder. Oh man, he yeah. really is. Anyway, so the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, is now lying in state in Westminster Hall. It opens to the public. It opened to public yesterday. Did you see the ma- the map of the queue? It's insane. You it's mile, whole, literally whole miles long. Through London, people are queuing to see the Queen's dead body I mean we have wakes we can't judge people mm-hmm. um yeah so they traversed her around the four corners of um well the the king went to the four corners of the UK but they traversed the queen the queen's body down to London from Scotland um yeah so it's lying in state 24 hours a day can you imagine if you were like out on a session and you're like oh, what we call on <laughs> you that's absolutely something that would happen as well like for sure <laughs> But then presumably you'd get there and be like, oh, I'm not going to queue for two miles. No. Well, you never know. So, yeah, it had, you know, all the bells and whistles that normal um, royal funerals have or this thing has. The funeral will be, it's not for ages, but key figures. So like the prime ministers, presidents, all our European royals are going to be there. It's in the Westminster Abbey. Westminster Abbey can hold 2000 people. So I would say be knocking on that amount of people. Um, oh, easy! It'll be full. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had in the north. Um, King Charles came to the north there a few days ago. He met with Michelle O'Neill, um, Jeffrey Donaldson, Alex Maskey from Sinn Fein. Met a very um, 
I would say historic speech. Uh, Alex Maskey himself uh, describes himself as a lifelong Republican. He was the first Sinn Féin mayor of Belfast. And he made a speech about the Queen and her dedication to the peace process. Mm. And it was definitely seen as a big step. Mm. Um, I know that obviously um, Sinn Féin, Martin McGuinness, etc. have met the Queen before. But this was very much seen as, you know, a step in the right direction in terms of uh, the North and the Royals. Um, there was a very funny moment when Prince King Charles, sorry, said to Michelle O'Neill, I hear you're the largest party in Northern Ireland now. And Michelle O'Neill said, indeed we are. And Alex Maskey said, don't be telling Jeffrey." And Jeffrey Donaldson was standing beside them. <laughs> I loved it. I deeply loved it. Um, I, I just, can't, I can't, every time you say King Charles, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's wild. Um, so there is a full week of stuff going on. Um, so I'm just actually, so the National Bank holiday is on Monday. Mm-hmm. Some companies have not reacted to this news well. It appears, I was listening to an English podcast and they were saying that most companies really didn't plan for what they were supposed to do here. So they cancelled the Premier League so they couldn't play soccer. But the cricket was allowed to go ahead. Um, Centre Parks, the very expensive holiday village, were going to kick people out on the Monday. But you could leave your stuff there and and come come back back on on Tuesday. Tuesday. And then people were like, you can't do that. We paid for this. And they were like, okay, you can stay, but you can't come out of your cabin. Yeah. Well, the reasoning, and I understand it, is that you're supposed to, apparently they're giving their staff, it's about giving their staff Staff the space to mourn. mourn. Yeah. But like 1,300 McDonald's's will close until five o'clock on on Monday. The wildest things I've heard are... um, Food banks. Food food banks banks are closing. Medical appointments. Yeah, hospital appointments are being cancelled. Like, you know, people who are terminally ill kind Mm -hmm. of hospital appointments. Um, And then a doctor contacted me on Twitter because I was talking about this the other day and said that basically these exams, MCQ, is that what they're called? They're like really huge medical exams that doctors study for for months and months and months have been cancelled on that day and postponed till January. So imagine you oh are God. building up yeah. to your big, big exam at like that you study, you've been working toward for years and then it's like, oh no, sorry, babes, you're going to have to wait till after Christmas. That's your Christmas, That's Christmas ruined. ruined. Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of people just have not handled it very well. I think the notion of food banks, now don't get me wrong, I don't know Queen Elizabeth, but I'm going to guess that that nice little old lady would rather food banks were open yeah. during her funeral? Well, I think what it really shows is the fact that there has been a huge... I mean, it's obviously it's been a very long time since this has happened. Yes. You know, because she was the queen for well, so long. 96. Well, she was, she was 96 when she died and she became queen when she was like 24. So yeah, so you're talking 70 years, yeah. right? So it's been 70 years since that, that happened and a lot has happened in those 70 years. And mm. culturally, obviously, Britain has changed... Yeah, I, I I was listening to a podcast and an English columnist made a very good point. He said, there has been an outpouring of sadness, but there has been not been an outpouring of grief. Yeah. The difference is everyone is going to be sad that this like very well-respected mm-hmm. leader, mother, grandmother, great-grandmother has died. But this notion of an outpouring of grief is, is a very small minority of people. Yeah. But what they think is happening is that McDonald's, Sainsbury's, food banks, the NHS are reading this in the newspaper about how sad people are and are saying, well, we have to close because we're afraid that the Daily Mail are going to shout at us if we stay open. Yeah. 
And I think that is where the difference is. So I think there's definitely a sadness, but I don't know if grief is the right word. Sorry, I forgot to mention one of my favorite things as well, which is Morrison's silencing the beeps on their tills. Why in, don't they do that like, what? all the time? Anyway, let's move on. I mean, honestly, we could talk about this forever. And <laughs> um, the doll is back. Doll's back, baby. Big news in your world. It was like the first day of school yesterday. <laughs> it, the place was jammers. Um, there was a lot of protests outside. Um, kind of, there always is protests on the first day of the doll back. And people are obviously f- free to gather at the doll, I would say, is their house as well as yeah. the house where politicians um gather and so a lot of the protesters there were there for completely legitimate reasons we had parents with children with disabilities who were being they felt neglected by Mm -hmm. the hnc we had um a security officers union who are fighting for better pay better conditions then there was a cohort of far-right agitators who turned up and wrecked all these other people's protests because then when those people show up politicians just switch off the journalists switch off like Mm -hmm. we're not giving you any airtime they kind of muddled under these protests. They were incredibly agitated, aggressive, hostile. Uh, Paul Murphy, the People Before Profit TD, was surrounded. Um, he was kicked, uh, assaulted by one of the people there. And uh, he said he's all right. He, was, he said the staff that were with him were a bit shook. But I got three text messages on my way into work saying, don't come on the front door. Like, take your work tag off, keep your head down and use the... Had he, this, the staff in the Arachtis had to open a, a separate door for us away from the far right because they were like, well, Paul Murphy's already been kicked, so we can't risk something happening to anyone else. Um, so that was the first day back. Um, we had leaders, the first leaders' questions. Can, uh, sorry, sorry when, when we say the far right, mm-hmm. like, who are these people? Um, what are their like? What are they protesting? Well, they protest a lot of stuff. So they would be no. These people are not a homogenous group. So I'm going to list all the things they're against. Yeah. But just because some people are against one thing doesn't mean they're against others. Yes, so like, of course. they were very anti-mask, anti-lockdown, anti-COVID. Right. They're against immigration. They're against abortion. They're against um, some of them are very homophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a lot of this agitation around when Roderick O'Gorman became the children's minister yeah. as a very openly comfortable gay man. Um, they also took issue with Catherine Sapone when she was minister for children yeah. as okay, a gay yeah. woman. Um, they're you. hateful. They don't represent anyone. They don't get any votes in elections. But I just would like people to take it a bit more seriously. The Guardian do seem to take it seriously, whereas um, the commentary from the media do kind of, um, what's the word, Displicit. Mm. But I would also say that the media is the whitest, straightest uh, job on earth. And and we say that as members of as the media. As me- <laughs> members of the media who are, I am white and straight. Well, so. I don't actually, am I a member of the media anymore? Yeah, maybe I'm not. But I'm um, a broadcaster. But um <laughs> Yes, yeah, so oh, I, I suppose I write for a newspaper. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So yeah, I think it's easy to say that there isn't an issue with the far right when the far right wouldn't target you. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we talk about seventy uh, percent of young people considering immigration? Emigration, excuse me. This is a was a, a kind of survey that came out this week. Yeah, I like. I'm not sure it's as shocking as people would kind of suggest that it is. In the last year, I think definitely. I think with the cost of living crisis and everything, and the housing crisis carrying on unabated, I don't think it's that shocking. So more than seventy percent of young people in Ireland aged eighteen to twenty-four consider moving abroad. I would argue, honestly, that Ireland has become hostile 
to young, young people. people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can like this cuts very close to home with me. My wee brother lived with me in Dublin. Him and his girlfriend lived with me. Um, the whole way through lockdown. Um, it's a miracle we're all still speaking to each other. <laughs> and they moved to Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and he moved to Amsterdam, and within a month, he said to my mommy, "Listen, we'll not be back." Mm. You know, they they pay a lot of rent, but what you get for your rent over there is so much more than what you get in Dublin. Great public transport, great healthcare, just a better quality of life. And people are seeing their friends going to Lisbon and Berlin and Amsterdam mm-hmm. and saying, why am I paying 1200 euro a month for a room in a gaff with five other strangers? I had a look yesterday on Daft, um, just out of interest, because I hadn't looked in a while um, to see what's there and the prices. And my God. Like you hear about the prices and obviously the prices are nuts. But then when you look at the properties. Oh, God. Alongside those prices, mm-hmm. it is truly appalling. At one point in my life, now it seems a long time ago, I was looking to buy a house in Dublin. And it got to the point where I had worked out that in order to buy a house in Dublin, you have to wait for someone to die. Yeah. Because the government are not building houses um, that you can afford um, so what actually happens is an old person dies and then you can maybe buy their house, but you have to tear the house apart because it's so old and it hasn't been done up in such yeah. a long time. And then private developers are building these huge houses that, you know, those, there's, afford, there's like, a new estate near you in Glasnevin. I know it. And I went on just on online just to know, say, and the houses start at 1.3 million. I know. To live in Glasnevin. I know. Um, we're getting off topic here, yeah. but tonight, the survey <laughs> said that 80% of them are fearful for their future. 50% reported worse mental health. Uh, in the context of the rising cost of living, 40% were not as happy as they were six months ago. I'm really sad. And 50% are still going to make ends meet. Um, it's just really, really depressing. I'm not overly surprised. I mean, if we're not at the stage where young people are changing their college degree or not going to college at all because they can't find anywhere to love. Yeah. So if you're telling an 18 year old, this is the state of the country, good yeah. luck. Why wouldn't they want to move? Why would they stay? Honestly, like I ask myself on a regular basis, why mm. am I here? I was actually asked this by an RTE producer a while ago for a TV programme and I openly said, I was like, if I didn't do the job I did, I wouldn't love in Dublin yeah. because I am somewhat good at Irish politics and there's not really a market for that No, else. that's a fair point. <laughs> um, but I, since I left my previous employer, um, I really have been like, what am I doing? Why mm. am I here? Like, yeah. honestly, I mean, my husband obviously still works for, an, you yeah. know, an Irish company. Mm. But like, yeah, for me, if I was single, yeah, I would be gone. 100%. Oh. Like, what, like, I mean, why oh, wouldn't right. you? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, OK, and I'll I didn't have kids. Blah, blah, blah. If you want me to move. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's very briefly just acknowledge what happened in West Virginia this Ooh. week. Yeah. So we kind of predicted this would happen when we talked about this the last time. West Virginia's legislature has banned abortion um, with a few exceptions. Um, There was only one abortion clinic available even in West Virginia to perform these abortions. Yeah, and I think for context, like West Virginia is a very, a state that faces a lot of challenges. It's got Mm. extremely high rates of poverty. The opioid crisis is basically at, like West Virginia is at the the center of it. It's, it's, it's kind of, yeah, technically it's the Midwest, but it's, it's toward the east side of the country. But, um, you know, you're talking about very poor people, often neglected mm. by politics and, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> suffering really, really significantly as a result of the opioid crisis. Even the way that the law is written, 
uh, their new ban is written is so cynical. So under the legislation, rape and incest victims would be able to obtain an abortion up to eight weeks. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. So if you miss your period, you probably only are going to be convinced you've missed your period after six weeks. Mm. And also, you can't get an abortion unless you go to the police first. That's for me. Like the timing obviously is terrible, but the t- but that's the real, the really cruel part of it for me because... Mm. What so if, many people don't feel empowered to report to law enforcement for various different reasons. If you're a child also, whose father has raped you, are you going to go like you're more likely insane. to be raped by someone you know? Yeah. Um this is also revolting. So um if you are a minor and you've been raped, they're really signed. They um they give you 14 weeks. Cheers. Thanks for that. Um, And you also have to report that to law enforcement or your doctor. Which, you know, it's just like these are people who like by definition have been traumatized already. Mm. And reporting can be extremely traumatic. So you're basically saying you have to re-traumatize yourself. Within 48 hours. It's... So within 48 hours of the rape, you have to have gone to the police and then you have to get a, a notarized copy of a police report. Um, detected the doctor to get the abortion. Um, I would say this is something that we, like, people around the world should be very worried about. We saw yesterday, um, I believe it was Jeff Sessions, who is a Republican lawmaker, and he said yesterday, um, if the Republicans take the House in the midterms, they are going for an all-out abortion ban. Mm. Roe has now been rewound and they will make it a federal they want to make it a federal crime across the country so we know there are still limited states where you can seek an abortion more liberal states like New York or whatever but they want a full um, uh, abortion ban I would say the only kind of positive thing that we could probably take from it is that through Roe versus Wade being uh, rewound they have found that young women are signing up, registering to vote in increased numbers. Yeah. And people who were kind of in the middle of the road, didn't really know if they cared about politics, are becoming more politicized. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm relatively optimistic about those midterms because mm. I think that this this single issue has politicized people in a way that maybe they wouldn't have been previously. Mm-hmm. Um, now, just before I let you go, the Guardia are training in martial arts. <laughs> I can't take I love it so much. Gardy have asked martial arts experts to train their instructors in the ancient Japanese police fighting system of Taiho Jutsu. I mean, can you patch them in Temple Moor yes. in their wee polo shirts? Yes, I can. Uh, so they posted a tender uh, on the Yardish Kona website and invited experts to apply to train the Yardi in this. It's a type of self-defense, mm-hmm. I am told. Um, it's kind of like judo, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, and they want the guards to be able to do this. Now, you would say it kind of makes sense. You know, they're an unarmed, for mm-hmm. the most part, an unarmed police force. And yeah, this is just, it's just the, because sometimes like, I'm from the north, right? So Are you? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> have I mentioned it? So our police are very heavily armed. Yeah. Two guns. Yeah. And they wear bulletproof vests. They have a very different uniform. They're yeah. very armed. And guards to me, when I see them, sometimes I have a hard time taking it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 
and I say more power to the guards. Yeah, you so, learn your Japanese martial art. Yeah, it is Japanese, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you kick some ass. Um. So yeah, it, the the tender was pretty scant on detail because tenders tend to be yeah. because they know that people like us are going to take a bus. Um. But yeah, so I'm not they're the they're applying. They want people to apply to teach them how to do judo, yeah. and they said to be serious though they did say we are f- and we know this because we are people who live in Dublin, but there is a change in kind of dynamic of street violence especially yeah. at the weekends yeah and they um want them to be able to like say disarm people or whatever because yeah. they're not going to give them guns so they have to be able to do it with their own strength i can't wait to see how this turns out even more political correspondent for this sunday times ireland thank you so much thank you Fanula Jones, or Fanula J, as you probably know her, is a TV presenter, influencer, and podcaster. Many of you will have gotten to know her through her appearances on the Six O'Clock Show. She was presenting it a lot over the summer, or her previous podcast, Bandwagons. Now she is back with a new one. It's called Flop Culture, and I was delighted to have a chat with her this week about what made her return to podcasting in the first place, and the reality of having a career that's somewhat reliant on social media when social media is a tricky landscape. Enjoy. Vanula Jones, it is such a pleasure to speak with you. I know everybody was so excited to hear that you were coming back with a new podcast. And I said, I got to get this girl on my podcast to talk about her podcast in some sort of podception type scenario. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Not at all. No, I'm delighted. Um, I suppose it's been a while, like people were obviously a huge fan of your podcast, Bandwagons, and then that came to an end some time ago. And... I'm interested to know how it's been and what, you know, how you kind of figured out what you wanted to do and coming back to it as kind of a solo entity. Yeah. So for me, like it was the end of last year was kind of, I don't want to say tough because that just makes it seem like I went through some real hardship and I really didn't. But I suppose I was finding coming into the post COVID world an expression that I also hate because we are still dealing with COVID. But I suppose coming into uh, coming to the end of 2021, things were just incredibly busy in a way that I was really struggling with mm-hmm. um, between my, I was, was still working full time at that point. Uh, myself and my boyfriend were constantly moving houses because we couldn't get any long term leases. Mm-hmm. We knew we wanted to try and buy the following year, but just even in the meantime, it was really stressful. And then was also trying to do bandwagons and then at several other freelance endeavors because I was like I need to make as much money as possible yeah. I really I don't I, like unhealthy maybe isn't the right word but I definitely had a weird relationship and I something I'm still working on with money with work because I was so focused on getting a house and having that security because I was just so stressed from renting and it kind of came to a point for me where I was like something had to give yeah. and I was just kind of weighing everything up and you know it was just I was really struggling with time and I didn't think it was fair on the guys either, everyone else involved. So I just had to make a call and I did. And I was really sad because, you know, like we started it and it was so much fun and mm. it still was. And we built like this really nice community. But I just knew even going into the following year and with more restrictions lifting and knowing that I wanted to get a better work-life balance and spend more time with my family and be working less and knowing that I was probably going to have to move again. We were going to be applying for a mortgage and I was adding on another layer of stress. I just had to look at everything a bit more critically and 
That makes total sense yeah. to me. Like I think, and I think a lot of people will really relate to that because I mean, I certainly, I have found this summer, like I've had the summer of my life, but it has been so intense. Like, you know, there is so much on and so much to do and so much work. And, you know, I have found at times, now don't kill me for saying this, but at times I've been like, wasn't life very simple when we didn't go anywhere? And all you did was just, you know, do your work at home and you had time to kind of breathe. Um, so I think it makes sense that people are kind of recalibrating their schedules and their life and what they can handle. And, you know, everybody has to make decisions for their own well-being. So that makes total sense. And um, so obviously you took a break and, um, you know, at some stage you decided, well, I want to come back. I want to do another podcast. But how do you, because I know myself, like obviously I've been through this process of trying to figure out what you're going to do. And it's tough because it's, you know, it's a busy market. How did you decide that flops were what you wanted to focus on? Oh, I love a good flop. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So this is the thing as well. I feel like when I say this, people like, and I understand why people think it's a really bullshitty thing to say like I didn't finish I genuinely didn't finish one to start another yeah it was just I really needed a break it was kind of getting to a point where because I was so stretched with time I wasn't enjoying doing the podcast which I never wanted and again that had nothing to do with anything else that was me and my schedule just impacted like having that kind of roll-on snowball effect I also think that you know there's a difference between like when you're working with other people on something there's a pressure there that, you know, because if you don't deliver, you're letting them down, you know? And so, you know, I can understand, like, like I, it makes sense to me what you're saying. For me, though, it was like, I, I needed a break. Mm-hmm. I needed to reset. And then I just kind of had this itching, kind of clawing thing in the back of my brain where it was like, I was still really engaged with pop culture, loved to talk about it, kind of didn't really feel like, for me and my social media, like there's certain things that I feel like I can talk about and have those nuanced conversations, but also social media is so fast that it doesn't also lend itself well to some of those conversations sometimes. So I was just thinking, I want to get back into that space. As you said, she's a crowded market. Everybody (laughs) and their mom is a podcast. Um, So I was just like, I kind of want a stronger hook and, you know, maybe something that didn't, that meant I didn't have to do it weekly that I could come back in series. Yeah. And that's my kind of view with this. I might do a series and it will and it'll exist as that and it will be gorgeous and we will never hear from me again. <laughs> I will move to a cave and live there forever. <laughs> but I just I, I find fascinating within pop culture and within celebrity failures in general. And I think when people hear that, they think it's a mean podcast. And it really, really isn't. I, I'm critical where I can be, but I find it interesting because with celebrities and with famous people, And with, you know, the people involved in pop culture, there's usually like huge budgets, all the connections, the odds are stacked with them to succeed. And then sometimes things don't. And I find it interesting to interrogate why, like, why didn't this work? And then also, why didn't it work maybe commercially, critically, whatever? And then a lot of the times with these flaps, I found they find other audiences years later, like these other like factions of people it's just fascinating as you were talking there I was thinking about the things that I love that are technically not successes but that have become a huge part of my life and we all have those things you know even things like let's just say Blackbird which just came out the Michael Flatley film and there's been so much chat about it everyone universally agrees that it's absolutely awful but like it still has found this audience um because people's taste and the way that people consume media you know it it exists on such a broad spectrum some people love to watch things that are terrible 
And that sometimes is the secret of their success. And then other times things are just, you know, don't find the right audience for other reasons, which obviously is the kind of thing that you're discussing on your podcast. I know so far you've talked about um, Khalees, a Khalees album. And then most recently, uh, this show, I it's a TV show, right? Good Christian Bitches. It's a TV show, yeah. So that's the beauty of letting the guests pick as yeah. well because I get exposed to media that I and stuff that I never would have watched or listened to or engaged with at all. So I had the gals on from Celebrity Member Book Club, uh, Claire Parker and Ashley Hamilton, and they talked about this show called Good Christian Bitches, which again, like really strong cast, but for them, like it didn't, and it's very funny and doesn't actually age particularly badly. There are some things, but it's a product of its time. Um, but it was very much the case of, I think they were, the network in the US were really trying to fill that hole kind of left by Desperate Housewives. Right, yeah. Um, and it just didn't land. And with the title as well, you had like religious groups kind of up in arms being like, we're not having it, we're not airing this if it's mm. called Good Christian Bitches. So then they're having to abbreviate it. But then what the hell does GCB mean? Yeah. It was a very fun educational watch, I have to say. But this is the thing, people can go as broad or as niche as that yeah. or as broad, like, I have someone on and they're doing a chocolate bar and how that ties into a celebrity wedding and like lit. <gasps> I know what it is. And oh my God. I know exactly, what it is immediately. You know exactly what it is. I know yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. I won't spoil it. Um, yeah. Um, it's so good. But I like, I've got like Peter McGann came on and he's doing a Bond movie later on, which is really exciting because again, I'm not a Bond person. Yeah. He brings a lot of just boyish, the most lovely enthusiasm talking about Bond <laughs> and is so knowledgeable about it. Yeah. It was great. Like, I've loved it. It's great to have those conversations. That's great. So it's called Lop Culture. And you also do a little bit of kind of pop culture chat as well, which is obviously for people like me who are absolutely addicted to that kind of stuff is great. Can I ask as well, because I'm so interested in the fact that you have seemingly kind of fallen into a role as a TV presenter on the six o'clock show. Um, <laughs> now, I'm fascinated by this and I absolutely love it because Irish TV is so predictable most of the time. Um, the fact that you, who, you know, you're so like young and effervescent and like, you know, irreverent. And yet there you are on this like incredibly mainstream TV show um, alongside Martin King often hosting um, on Virgin Media Television. How did that happen? Um, tell me about the experience of doing it how did that happen that was a very kind description as well thank you um yeah. so I had started out as a like a contributor kind of during lockdown talking about tv and then I kind of moved more into pop culture celeb space with them and I just love it like live tv you know as well from doing radio like yeah. anything can happen and that can bring good things and it can bring bad things but like the balls you get is just unbelievable yeah um so I started doing a few kind of reports for them, for other things. I've covered the brown bread making contest at the plowing, three <laughs> years running. We love to see it. Um, and they just needed someone to stand in while Karen was taking a few weeks off on halls this summer. And they said, do you want to do it? And I said, yeah, I'd actually, I did my first show the start of the year with Ray Foley, his last show before he left, actually. Mm. Um, and it's just been, my God, it's just like the most fun ever and getting to chat to the widest breadth of people and work with great people like Martin King, who is just an absolute, I cannot, most helpful, kind, like just so good at his job, gent, uh, work with Una as well, Una Healy and Brian Dowling. I just had, I had the best summer ever. Like if I never host again, I'm absolutely fine with that because I had 
so much fun and I get to eat all the food that the chefs make which is <laughs> the best thing ever I didn't have to make a dinner for like 10 weeks because someone was feeding me cake or curry yeah it was incredible so yeah I've loved it that's Very great fun. yeah like I always I've been on that show I don't know a good few times and the vibe is always really nice Um, I always feel like there's just a generally a good vibe out in that building I say out in that building because it's on like the very outskirts of Dublin and um, but the vibe in Virgin Media always feels kind of good like everyone's working really hard obviously because that's how media works you know there's never enough resources and everyone's kind of flat to the map but um, I'm really glad to hear you had such a positive experience are you thinking kind of of other TV stuff or you know is that kind of just oh. a thing that happened Louise I don't even know like in a dream world maybe yeah but there's a part of me then that has the bi-weekly existential crisis about pulling a calice and moving to a farm and living my life there <laughs> you know what I mean I don't really know what I want to do um I've just left my full-time job um and I'm trying a bit of this a bit of that a bit of spawn a bit of yeah. other things maybe the podcast will eventually make money probably not because of the world we're living in but I'm just trying to kind of flex those creative muscles and do say yes to things that I want to do and just see where it goes and I feel like that's a really bullshitty answer but the honest answer is I just that's the honest answer I just I don't really know what's next for me I'm just really excited to be where I am and building a life that is fun and that I enjoy and that I'm not having constantly having the Sunday scaries about and I'm getting to be creative and fun and work with people and talk to people like you and talk to other people um, it's great. It's really positive where it goes next. Who the hell knows? If it's more TV, absolutely sign me up. But if not, I'm happy where I am. You mentioned there um, a bit of Spawn and obviously, you know, you and I have both done that kind of work, sponsor content on our Instagrams and the various other platforms from time to time. I'm interested to know your relationship with social media these days because it's a complicated landscape. It's very different as well because like I understand the irony in that I started out kind of taking well there's actually no kind of about it I was taking the mick out of influencers and Mm -hmm. then essentially became one Mm. um look it's not something it's not something that I ever want to do but well I say that now having left my job I'm doing a full time for the minute but I don't see myself really doing it long term but I suppose for me again knowing the security could bring me and my partner and my future family. I was like, how could I not explore this? And then that's totally from like a financial top level Mm. point of view. But I suppose then like when I started doing it, it was just, it was this mad, it really was like community vibes, fun vibes. We're talking about Love Island. We're taking the piss, blah, blah, blah. And some of that has stayed on. But Mm. then as obviously as things change and your audience grows, you have people who, and I don't really don't get anything on the level of other people yeah. that do in terms of like criticism, whatever. And I find myself really lucky to say that. But I suppose you have the people that are watching in bad faith, people who watch who don't get you, yeah. who don't want to have a nuanced conversation because yeah. I suppose, is Instagram the vehicle for that? I suppose not. Yeah. Um, so I have a complicated <laughs> relationship, I would say. Yeah. I really like it in some ways. And I have the usual frustrations that other people do, to be honest. Yeah, I really relate in a big way to that. And I think it's, you know, I think people... Mm, so I think that people have a perception of what it means to have a following on social media and to, you know, factor it into your kind of commercial work. Um, And I think sometimes that idea is, um, 
incorrect. Uh, and I think something that people regularly complain about is that people change, you know, oh, she's changed. She used to do this and she used to talk about this and she used to blah, blah, blah. And she doesn't do that anymore. She's changed. But what people don't un- don't understand, I think, and you always have to be so careful because people are so sensitive about this stuff and I appreciate that, but is that as your following grows, it stops being just people who like what you're doing and it starts being people who are watching for different reasons. And so the interactions that you get and the feedback that you get changes. And, you know, for me, it was like when people started saying I was a bad mother or like, you know, I hated my children or like, you know, various other awful things that I was like, okay, I'm not going to talk about my kids anymore or I'm going to cut right back on that or I'm going to turn off my story replies. And then people are like, oh, she doesn't. She's, you know, she's got notions now or, you know, she's ideas above her station. And it's like, no, at the end of the day, you're talking about human beings who are trying to just literally get through their day. Um, and when, you know, the, the experience of using Instagram or let's just use Instagram as an example, when the experience of using Instagram changes, then you have to change your relationship with it. Um, and, and that's something I don't think that people understand until they experience it themselves. They don't know kind of what it's like to be sitting on the couch beside your partner, your husband, your girlfriend, whoever, and be having a nice evening and then pick up your phone and someone sent you a message telling you that you hate your children and you don't deserve to be a mother. Like, you know, and you'd be mad to just continue in the same way. But, you know, until you've experienced it, I don't think people really get it. No, totally. And it's that comparison of like when people get mad, you know, if some people, if you block someone, whatever, and they're mm. like, why? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you come, you, this is like the equivalent of you coming to my house and being like, I hate you, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, you would like, you wouldn't let them through the door. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a balance it is a balance for me now, for sure. I, I also think, sorry, I'm now going real deep into this influencer stuff, but I, I suppose it's something that I've thought about a lot as well is, you know, I think that I, I, I was away earlier this year on a trip that was gifted, like the hotel invited me to go and stay there. And this woman sent me a slew of like absolutely enraged messages. Like, um, I hate influencers. I will never go to a business that gives anything to influencers. Like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, babe, this is advertising. Like that's, that's literally what it is. Are you not going to go to a hotel that buys an ad in a magazine? Like it's the same thing, you know, that's how this works. But she was really annoyed about it. And, you know, people do, have a big issue sometimes with the idea of someone getting things like that just because they have a following and I can appreciate that because if you're someone who's like struggling with money or can't afford to get away or whatever and then you see you know here's so-and-so online who's getting a free weekend or free whatever blah 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 I can understand why that would make you frustrated but as you mentioned there if you are given an opportunity to make let's be honest sometimes a frankly unreasonable amount of money for an Instagram post or whatever and you're trying to save money for a house or you're trying to pay your kids exorbitant childcare fees or whatever you know you would be mad to turn that down yeah that was the conversation that I had in my that I was having in my head at the start because I was very like I was very conscious of where I'd come from and how critical I'd been Mm. of stuff before and like look I'm not saying everything's right I think some of the fees are like insane yeah absolutely insane I agree but at the same time if anyone else was offered them or if you're offered something that you know that would get you that security Mm. you wouldn't say no like you just wouldn't Mm. um and that's to say as well I acknowledge that like the work isn't necessarily because I feel like whenever I talk about this people are like 
you know, like there's that argument of like, well, it's not rocket science. Of course it's not, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's also not, it doesn't have its intricacies or its difficulties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I definitely, I really don't see it as a long-term thing, but like my priority, my priority is me, mm-hmm. is key in, is, and like for me, because again, we're so lucky, we are the minority. We've bought a house. I was just going to say, you just bought one, right? Yeah, which is like, incre- and I feel even kind of like guilty talking about it and we're talking about it because I know the way the market is and way everything is now. Um, that was my priority and I did it. And for me now, I'm taking the pedal off and I'm doing things like the podcast and YouTube and trying to be more creative and to scratch that itch and to try and, as I, to go back to that relationship I mentioned at the start, that I'm not just like, well, you have to earn money. If you don't earn money, like what's going to happen? Like, mm-hmm. are you going to be like, are you going to be able to support yourself? And what about Keen? Are you going to make your rent repayments, your mortgage repayments, everything like that? And it's mm-hmm. just about getting back to being happy with enough mm-hmm. and realizing what's important. Like my family, Keen, spending time with them, be having fun. Like mm-hmm. it's not, so I feel like I've just gone on the biggest fucking tangent ever, no. but that's just that's that's where I'm at mentally. Like it I just sounds like um you are having a year of realizing stuff. A realizing stuff. <laughs> I I think I am. I really think I am. I'm realizing things every day. You know, we all slacked Kylie Jenner off for that, but like she was right. I mean, it is all about realizing a stuff. Flopper of our time. <laughs> I think you'll agree. Well, Fanula, thank you so much. Flop Culture is out now and um, I've really enjoyed listening to the first couple of episodes and I know that there's going to be lots more fun stuff to come and I wish you all the best. I think it's great that you're in this space where you're prioritizing your own life and your own well-being because at the end of the day, that's what everybody has to do. So well done you. Thank you so much for having me, Louise. This was like therapy in <laughs> the best, in a good way, in, in a oh. release way. Well, thank I can't wait you. to have you on, so I can't wait to hear a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Flop. Now it is time to catch up on the week's entertainment news and there is a lot to discuss from the Emmys to that gorgeous Little Mermaid trailer or more I suppose more accurately the gorgeous reactions to that Little Mermaid trailer and uh, also Britney Spears and uh, Britney. Lots to chat about and this week guys joined by Emer McElisett. Emer McElisett, uh, Irish Times columnist, author of the Oh My God, What a Complete Ashling Books along with Sarah Breen. Welcome back to the podcast. I was going to say, no, just me. I'm the only one who writes the books. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I feel like I'd get a letter from Sarah if I 
unleashed yeah. at her. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be cool. She might arrive at your door. I'd be okay with that. Actually, I'd no, be like, Sarah, prob- come in. Let's have a glass of wine. She's pretty cool. She probably wouldn't. <laughs> she's very cool. Um, no, I was mostly joking. Um, anyway, it is great to have you here. We have got a lot to talk about from the world of entertainment. And it makes sense, I suppose, to start with the Emmys, which I actually didn't, I wasn't even aware of them coming up. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, the Emmys happened. I feel like award shows in general have really gone down the ladder in terms of excitement about it. You know, people watching the awards. So I think... As the internet, as the internet has gotten bigger. (laughs) Oh, I used to go to school through the fields. Um, (laughs) And you get all of the moments from the award shows as they happen. Yeah. And they all become memes before the show is even over. Yeah. I think the excitement about it kind of goes down. And I think there's so much prestige television. You kind of know what's going to win. Like, I just think they've become a little bit redundant. But it's great to see shows that you love winning and films you love winning. But there just isn't the excitement. I mean, for me, it's just really about the dresses. It's about the dresses, really. But there were some interesting moments from this week's Emmys. I don't even think, like, like, I don't think people care about who wins. Ted Lasso won. Ted Lasso won. Abbott Elementary. White Lotus won won loads. White Lotus, yeah. Yeah. All the shows that you would think would have won, won. So there we go. But there were a few interesting moments which I think are worth highlighting um, and the first is that a quick is it Quinta or Quinta? It's I actually, Quinta. Quinta, yeah. excuse me. Quinta Brunson, who is one of the stars of Abbott Elementary, which is a, like a new kind of breakout show. Yeah. It's very good. It's kind of a mockumentary set in an elementary school. It's, it's very- on... It's on Disney Plus, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very Parks and Rec. It's very enjoyable. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've only only started it, but I'm enjoying it so far. But it's a majority black cast. Yeah. And Kinta uh, plays, she's kind of the lead character, I'd say, but she also wrote it. Oh, I didn't know that. You know, devised the whole thing. It's it's, her her show. It's her show. And so she won for Best Writing in a Comedy Series at the Emmys on Monday night. Yeah. they were on. And... Uh, it was Will Arnett and Jimmy Kimmel who were introducing that category and they did a bit. Um, Jimmy Kimmel had lost his category earlier in the night and they were making a joke. It's his 13th loss in a row or something. Mm. So Will Arnett pulled him out by his feet as if, and he said, oh, he just, he's found the skinny margaritas backstage and, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, yeah. and, you know, it was, it was kind of funny and whatever and Will Arnett, and then they announced uh, Kinta had won and, Jimmy Kimmel stayed lying on the ground and she kind of stepped over him. And I mean, she played along really well. And she's like, hey, Jimmy, I won. And he just uh, lay there and she said, hold my phone. And she kind of threw her phone down to him and she did her speech. Mm. So this did not go down well with viewing audiences, with people on the internet. And they said it was disrespectful and he should have got up and it was bullish. And I did see a really good tweet that it was like, it was kind of a great metaphor. It was like black woman steps over aging white man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to take comedy prize That's very which, which was enjoyable <laughs> as I was so I didn't I hadn't seen this clip mm. before I'd read the story mm. and I kind of I was there going I bet she didn't care really yeah. and she actually said she was asked about it pretty quickly afterwards and she said you know in the moment I didn't really think anything of it and she very cleverly went but I don't know what the internet is going to think of it like she predicted mm. that it wouldn't go down well it didn't go down well people mm. were annoyed he should have got up he should have mm you know, made the way for her. He should have just left the stage to let her have her moment. Or they should have, Will Arnett should have been like, sorry, just one second and pulled him, you know, to just keep the bit going. Yeah. Because they did keep it going and Will Arnett did then pull him back off the stage. Yeah. um, Which I don't think was shown on television. Yeah. Because it it was, you know, a long segment or whatever. 
he has since apologized. Yeah. Um, she went on his show on Wednesday night mm-hmm. and it was revealed actually that he was the first person to ever give her an interview yeah. on late night television. Like he has been championing the show. Yeah. So they're friends kind yeah. of. So in that way, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, and she wasn't that bothered about it. So I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Like yeah, it's, it's tricky because I, I read her response and I read her saying, you know, he's at, we have a relationship, yeah. like he's been so good to me over the years and all that. And I thought, yeah, okay, cool. And like it is, you know, obviously the most important thing is that she's okay with it. But it's just, it's just so representative yeah. <laughs> of that like particular brand of like white male arrogance (laughs) yeah yeah to be like you know I'm gonna keep my bit going even though this moment belongs to this person who you know and it's huge for her to be winning an Emmy and you know obviously black women women in general but black women especially and women of other races have been sidelined in Hollywood for decades so in my opinion anytime a black woman is on that stage it should be all about her and there should be nothing taking away from it and and I'm glad she's okay with it but it's just what it represents is so yeah yeah I mean they they just they should have they should have foreplanned what was going to happen yeah I mean it was probably slightly well known that she was probably going to win yeah so they should have planned ahead yeah. and been like, how might this play it? Like, anyway. I mean, and to be honest, you no, know, like, even if you remove the race element, like, if it was just a, it was going to be, you know, if it was a woman, like, just get off her stage. Yeah. Like, I just wonder, would they have laid there if it was a man who won? I don't know. Like, I do have a question mark about that. I don't know. They probably would have tried to include him in the bit yeah, or, or whatever. Anyway, anyway, listen, it wasn't yeah. about them. No. Um, and another incredible black woman who won an Emmy was Cheryl Lee Ralph. And her acceptance speech has gone kind of viral. I thought it was it was actually really moving. Yeah. So Cheryl Lee Ralph, also from Abbott Elementary, and she won an acting award, Best Supporting Actress. But can I just, to me, she's singing Won't Pay the Bills. She singing <laughs> Won't Put Food on the Table. She plays Singing. <laughs> Lauren Hill's mother in the iconic Sister Act 2 Back in the Habit. Oh, what oh a that woman. is due a rewatch. Oh, I, yeah. Ooh. One of my, my favorite films of all yeah. time. So she, you know, goes from disapproving mother to proud mother in yeah. Sister Act 2 Back in the Habit. That's where I know her from. Yeah. Um, but she has been in basically I think she was every Mo- TV show ever. Was she Moesha's mom as well in Moesha? Anyway, she, yeah, she's been in loads. Been in loads of stuff. She plays. Um, one of the older teachers in Abbott Elementary, kind of a stuck in her way teacher, but in not in a bad way. Like yeah. she's an incredible character in that show. Yeah. Um, so she won for Best Supporting Actress. And she didn't expect to win. And you could, you know, the way sometimes is a bit of like false humility and oh, yeah. you've got a company with me. I really don't think she expected to win. She was in a really strong category. And it took her a minute to get up out of her seat. Her castmates had to get her up, but she got up on stage anyway. And she just started singing. She sang Diane Reeves' Endangered Species. I won't sing it here because Cheryl <laughs> Lee did it much better than I did. I will put in a clip. Great. <laughs> and I am an endangered species But I sing no victim song I am a woman I am an artist and I know where my voice belongs. 
she just said she's been singing that song for years. You know, she said as a woman of colour, she feels like an endangered species. Mm. And she just never thought at this stage in her career she would be up there accepting yeah. an Emmy. And it was really moving. Really and moving. It was so lovely to see that show be so recognised. It, it's only had one season so yeah. far. Often with shows like that, it, it takes a while. Like with Shit's Creek, it took mm-hmm. a while for, you know. Yeah, Abbott Elementary seems like it just took off. Like yeah. everyone from the get-go was like, this is great. It's a really great. enjoyable show. I've watched almost all of the first season. Yeah. And it's really funny and it deals with a lot of issues, but not in a sledgehammer way. Yeah. And it's just really enjoyable. Yeah. And finally on the Emmys, Jennifer Coolidge. <gasps> beloved queen. Jennifer beloved. Coolidge. She won for White Lotus. White Lotus won so many awards, which is weird because I feel like it has been seven years since I watched it. So do I. I can barely remember what it's about. I remember really enjoying it. But and like, it obviously has been a long time because we only ju- we just got the trailer for series two. Series two and is coming. These, and that is one thing about these limited series. Like when there's more than one series it takes seven years yeah. in between so she won for I think it was best supporting actress in the White Lotus and she was so funny it, she got up on stage and she you could tell she was kind of she was wearing a dress that was form fitting but you could tell that she was struggling against the <laughs> seams as we all have been yeah. and I think maybe they'd had a dinner yeah like <laughs> So she got up and she was like, oh, she was like, I had a lavender bath before. (laughs) And I've swollen up. I've swollen up. And she said, I can't really talk. And I was like, yeah, I hear you, Jennifer. But um, a funny thing about the Emmys this year is they had them on a really strict 45 second speech, you know, timer. Mm. So the music started playing. She hadn't even started. She was like, hang on. She was swearing. She started dancing. But I mean, she was just everything she does is iconic it's perfect yeah. um, and it was just so refreshing to see like she, they played a bit of time to say goodbye they played a little bit of hit the road jack and she was still there <laughs> and she is just such a joy like again she's had so many iconic, ro- iconic roles she was Stifler's mom yeah. um, she was Paulette like iconic Bend, Bend and, and Snap, Snap in Legally Blonde so it's great to see her career still on the up and she's yeah. the only person returning to White Lotus for season two yeah which all of the rest of them all, I yeah. think I think as well it's just great to see women like Cheryl Lee Ralph and Jennifer Coolidge you know women who are they're not I mean older women is wrong yeah. because they're not older if you know what I mean but they are older than say that the Hollywood ingenue or the Hollywood starlet yeah. or you know your your typical woman who would get recognition in Hollywood yeah. and it's great to see these women having you know these moments later in their careers yeah and they've had such long careers already yeah. and it's them and then you also have people like Zendaya you know doing yeah, so well early exactly. in her career yeah it's just lovely. The gals are doing great for themselves. Good for the gals. <laughs> um, now, let's talk about Britney Spears because this week she got herself into a bit of hot water. Mm-hmm. And I actually think we are well fixed to discuss this matter. Yeah. yeah. So Britney post Britney's, here's my take. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contextualize. Here's my take on. on Britney's social media use in general. It's all dated. All of it. All of it feels like it's from 15 or 20 years ago. It's all like random memes or like photos, but like, you know, inspirational quotes on a cream background with a rose. She's spending a lot of time on Pinterest. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like, but early days Pinterest. Yeah. So she, she, I feel like she basically has been in a time capsule. We know she's had limited use of the internet. She's not in touch with where we are as a culture in 2022. And with that context, (laughs) reveal, Emer. So uh, Brittany posted what is a Rodney Dangerfield. And I'd like to contextualize this by saying Rodney Rodney Dangerfield was a comedian best known for his self-deprecating humor. So this is a one-liner that he had had shot off. You know, he's been dead for almost 20 years, I think. So 
the quote that she posted on a very Pinterest background was, I found there was only one way to look thin, hang out with fat people. Mm. So that was a comedian who said that, talking yeah. about himself self-deprecating. So she posted it. Yeah, because he wasn't a thin person. No. It might, yeah, he was, yeah, he yeah. was always talking about like himself yeah. like that. And she posted it as a way, I think, to show how fat phobia and body shaming had affected her during her career. And she said, she posted a caption with it and it was like, I wish I'd been able to choose my nannies. I wish I'd been able to choose the people on stage with me. And she made reference specifically to Christina Aguilera's backing dancers and said that if if she had been on stage with smaller people than she would have, or with bigger people than she would have looked smaller. And it kind of felt like she was kind of dissing Christina. She was dissing the dancers. She wasn't. It was a weirdly convoluted point. Like it wasn't clear. And when I saw it and read it, I was like, oh, Brittany. Yeah. Like, what are you, don't do this. Yeah. And and I I have to say what I was impressed by, because I went straight to the comments, because I was like, what are people, is it just going to be hero worship or what is it going to be? And it was... It was everything I saw yeah. during my look at the comments was people saying, no, Brittany, like, this is not the one. This is not how we talk. This is not what we do. Kindly admonishing her and kind of putting her in her place. Yeah. And her response was like, she did respond fairly quickly. Mm. And her response was actually really good. Like she said that the post was a projection of her insecurities. And she said it stemmed from years living under that conservatorship where Mm -hmm. she wasn't allowed to control what she ate, Mm. who she was on stage with, who her dancers were. And... I would imagine she spent all of her career being compared to other people mm-hmm. and feeling like she was in the wrong body and she was too fat or she was and too And there was a lot that. of commentary about her body and yes. her weight. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of it yeah. for anyone who doesn't remember. And if you put her and Christina Aguilera side by side, they just have two different body shapes. But And also both of their both of their bodies have fluctuated over the years yeah. because that's what happens yes. as women as we get older and as we have children and whatever. So I don't, A, I think Brittany probably does, is a little bit behind in terms of how she looks at how you speak about bodies. But she, inside her, that's how she feels and that's yeah. how she's learned and that's all she's known yeah. is to criticize her own body. Yeah. And I think like, because I think that her mind is still in 2006. Yeah. In many ways, in 2006, people were openly fat phobic and it was perfectly acceptable. Yeah. It was fine to talk about fat people like they were pieces of trash. Yeah. Like that. And we know that because we lived through it. Yeah. And as fat people. Yeah. Like, you know, so like, I think it's, it's not nice. I wish she hadn't done it, but I think that actually when I looked at the comments and I've seen the discourse around it, it, it kind of, the response to it to me is an indicator of the progress that we've made. Yeah. Um, because we don't openly speak that way about fat people anymore. We just think about it insidiously instead. <laughs> <laughs> what was kind of another yeah. kind of consequence was that Christina Aguilera unfollowed her mm. on Instagram, which was, uh, you know, like kind of sad to see because you hate to think. I, I don't like to think of Britney being upset by things like that. I know her and Christina have a checkered past in terms yeah. of getting on and not getting on, etc. But hopefully Christina will see that she didn't mean anything terrible by it I think like if I was Christina I'd be like just don't talk about me like I can understand that you might just be like you know what I'm gonna I'm bowing out of this yeah. like it might not even be although yeah. I suppose she could have muted her anyway yeah um we have spoken so much but we have a few things that we simply must much t- touch on <laughs> touch on the speak first of all uh, Jedward are anarchists <laughs> Jedward <laughs> who's your favorite Republican band the Wolf Tones or Jedward <laughs> 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 they are um they have come out since um, 
Queen Elizabeth II has died, they have come out with a lot of anti-monarchy, anti-royalist um, tweets. Mm. And they've gone from stuff like King Charles should just hand back the six counties. He was in Northern Ireland during the week for, um, you know, a service to honour his mother and stuff like we're Irish. The country has been oppressed historically by the monarchy. Study your history. We haven't said anything but the facts. And then also criticising kind of the closure of things like food banks yeah. and cancellation of appointments in for the Queen's mourning. Mm. And they've, they're like, we've had death threats. So they have created a, this huge amount of discourse on Twitter of people going, I can't believe, you know, it's 2022 and, you know, I'm standing Jedward. Like, Jedward are my leading political voices in this whole thing. And there's also been some people going, oh, they've just come out of nowhere. They're they're just looking for attention. But actually, I've been doing a little bit of digging into Jedward's background. Like, I haven't followed their career in any way. This isn't new for them to to speak out about things that they feel strongly about. Um, They've spoken quite strongly in the past about, you know, LGBTQI plus issues specifically for transgender rights they've you know raised a lot of money for charity they this isn't that new for them yeah I mean there's part of me that's like is it a little bit you know their music calculated a little bit but I mean if it is so what yeah yeah nothing they're saying is wrong per se I mean they're very strong opinions yeah but they're not stupid. No, I don't think they're stupid. And I yeah. think we've seen that they're not stupid. Like, remember that incredible interview they gave after their mother died on yeah. the Late Late Show? Like, you know, they're not stupid guys. It's interesting to see this direction for yeah. them. Um, and I will continue to watch with interest. Same, <laughs> um, same. But, you know, yeah, fair play, Jedward, I guess. Um, <laughs> now, I have literally been weeping all week watching my TikTok because my For You page is just full of videos of little black girls yeah. reacting to the new trailer for The Little Mermaid. Yeah. And it is so beautiful. So for some time now, there's been this ridiculous controversy over the fact that Halle Bailey is playing The Little Mermaid in Disney's, you know, reboot. Of, live action. Of, yeah, I think the original... How can it be live action though? It's mermaids. I, but it's crap. Like yeah. Davy Diggs is playing Sebastian the Crab. Is yeah. he, I mean, are they just sellotaping legs onto him? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But um, a trailer came out um, in the past few days and it shows her, Holly, playing um, Ariel, Ariel for the first time and mm-hmm. she's singing a little bit of part of my world. And what's happened is, is I guess it's mostly parents of little black girls or, you know, teenage girls have been filming them watching the trailer for the first time. And the responses are just kind of, you know, gasp and, oh my God, Ariel's black. Yeah. Because... She's uh, brown like me, one yeah, little girl side of us. Yeah. Um, it, the, the original came out in 1988, you know, with a very, you know, white, red-haired mm. Ariel character. And it's just been really, really lovely. Yeah. And like... A lot of the reaction to this news that Halle Bailey had been cast, like transparently racist, just mm. out and out racist mm. by, I'm sorry, but mostly men, children on the internet yeah, who were just like pigs. this, this is, you know, not honouring the original story. It's like, oh, we're not honouring the original story of the woman who lives under the sea. The mermaids her, and the talking with fish. With the talking crab. <laughs> like, <laughs> talking about? Listen to yourselves. Yeah. It's funny though, it's been, I've loved watching these clips, but I have to say, um, it is a real pinpoint on my own privilege. And it really, you know, obviously you know that you're privileged as a white person yeah. because you are represented, you know, well represented in culture. Yeah. But when you see the the emotion and the response of these girls, you do, you really realize yeah. 
how much you take it for granted. Yeah, and how you have no concept yeah. of what it's like to experience that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and to experience a world which is just yeah. flooded with whiteness. Yeah. You know, it really, it's really... Like it brings up complex feelings in me yeah. and, you know, there's a bit of guilt in there and stuff. Yeah. And then I, I was talking to my husband about it and I was like, you know, I wonder if there was a fat Disney princess, how I would feel. I know. <laughs> Even as an adult, like, because that's not, so, I mean, you know, I think a lot of us plus size people really connect with Ursula yeah. because Ursula's yeah. a big gal and yeah. she's powerful and, you know. Yeah, we feel, I feel like definitely we have a lot we owe people like Lizzo a lot. Who 100%. Are just out there taking the abuse and yeah. just doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about a Disney princess, what do Disney princesses represent? They represent purity, yeah. beauty, um, kind of elegance. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if it's not the same, and I'm so glad that, you know, Disney have started to yeah. really, and they have, I think, made a great effort to kind of, you know, multiculturalize their characters, yeah, yeah. Um, which is wonderful. And their stories. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 100%. It's like, I think it's particularly important here because The Little Mermaid isn't, you know, a Moana no. or a, you know, an, is it El Canto? En- Encanto. Encanto. Yeah. El Canto. And I love that film. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it. It's brilliant. <laughs> Highly recommend. You know, The Little Mermaid isn't really, I mean, it's an, originally a Danish story. Yeah. So, you know, so I think that's particularly important because yeah. it really is. Yeah. She's not black because she's in a film about Africa. Exactly. She's black yeah. because she's just black yeah. and she's beautiful. Yeah. And she's a, you know, she's, and she's perfect. talented and it's, it's going to be great. I can't wait to watch yeah, it. Yeah, me neither. Absolutely um, can't wait. Yeah, can't gorgeous. And um, we were going to just mention that Leonardo DiCaprio is apparently dating Gigi Hadid, <sighs> but like literally all I want to do is go like this. Oh, oh I, I mean, it's a fomance. It's definitely not happening. No, there's they no They know each way. other because they both live in New York. Yeah, and also she's 27. So there's one picture of them together. She's way the Daily Mail friend. just zoomed in and zoomed out on yeah. it 17 times and printed that <laughs> 17 times. <laughs> Oh, Emer McLeisett, you are a joy. Um, people can read, you can read Emer's honestly brilliant, every single week brilliant column in the Irish Times magazine um, on Saturdays. And of course, oh my God, what a complete ashing. The first four books are out now. There's a new started, diary. We've just started the fifth book. Woo! Writing it, I mean. That's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the new diary is new out diary in a few weeks, is right? out a few weeks, yeah, for 2023. And it includes loads of little snippets from Ashling's teenage diaries. Oh, that yeah. sounds really fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm... Uh, I'm excited you've started to write the book but I'm also sad and I know that everyone else will feel the same way because it's the beginning of the end yeah. but that's fine okay. Emer, thank you so much thanks Louise Now, it is just about time for me to go, but thank you so much for being with me today and choosing to listen to the podcast. I honestly appreciate it so, so much. Your support is never taken for granted and um I, I really feel fortunate that you choose to to tune in I suppose every week tune in are we still saying that with podcasts I don't know anyway um before I bore you I'm going to give you a few recommendations and the first is wake if you've been on social media this week I'm sure you've heard about this wake is a show by this is pop baby in the Dublin fringe festival it is so good 
I went this week and I had such a great time. It's really beautiful. It's really funny. It's really Irish. It's just super entertaining. And um, I think there's only one or two shows left now as, as this episode is released. So you might be able to get tickets for those. But if you can't, uh, that's okay because I have a feeling it'll come back and it'll probably tour around the country. So just to flag, if you have an opportunity to see Wake at any stage, highly recommend. It's a great night out. Probably a good show to see on a Friday or Saturday because I'm sure you'd love to go for a little drink or, um, you know, make a make a little night out of it. Um, other than that, I've been watching series two of Hacks. If I feel kind of stupid recommending this because it's been such a hugely successful show. You've probably heard about it already, but just in the off chance that you haven't, um, it is absolutely a brilliant, brilliant show. It is um, Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart. Um, you might not know Hannah Einbinder if you haven't watched the show before. I certainly didn't. Jean Smart is brilliant in it. She is an older actress. You would know her face. She's been in loads of different things and she is just fantastic as a an older comedian kind of moving into a new phase of her career. It's funny. It's smart. It's moving. It's brilliant. That's Hacks. It's on which streaming service is it? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's on, it might be Sky, like it might be Now TV. Anyway, if you Google it, obviously you'll find out and it's really, really brilliant. Um, and that's kind of about it. I will be back with you next Friday with a new episode. If you're coming on Sunday, I will see you then. In the meantime, I hope you have a great week and if it can't be great and they can't all be great, then I hope you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and another Friday will come, a new week will come and we'll all be able to move on from whatever it is that ails us. Um, talk soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.